Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, Sabrina. Um, hi. Can you tell me what it feels like to graduate from preschool? Well, I can't believe it. It's just really crazy. I feel like a little sad to leave my school, but I'm also really excited to see my friends I met. That you met recently that are going to your new school? Yeah. And so I'm really excited, but I'm also sad that I have to leave. So um, it feels sad and exciting. Yes, everybody, that was our five-year-old Sabrina who was a year old when we started Atomic Mom's podcast. Summer is here. She's graduating from preschool, and she's wearing a new T-shirt from the school that she's going to this fall, and on the back of the T-shirt it says, Class of 2032. That makes me feel like I've got a little more time. (laughs) 2032. But still, transitions. Like, ah! Luckily, we are also transitioning into summer. And that's my favorite season. I am a Texan. I'm a sundress and flip-flops kind of gal. And I'm really psyched about sharing this conversation with dermatologist Whitney Bowe. Dr. Oz says of our guest today, Dr. Bowe takes you past simple nutrients to the front lines of the battle for your skin health. And her new book is my obsession. The book is called The Beauty of Dirty Skin, The Surprising Science of Looking and Feeling Radiant from the Inside Out. And there's this one quote that really sticks out to me, and it's this, your skin is a window on your overall health. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about sun protection, the microbiome, and how we can keep our gut healthy for beautiful skin. I've really struggled with gut health over the years. Um, you know, I'm a neurotic white girl. Of course I had irritable bowel syndrome. You guys, days before my wedding, so I was 24 years old, and my gastroenterologist had found blood and said that I had to get knocked out for an endoscopy and colonoscopy before he'd let me fly to Colorado for our wedding. Do you guys, that, I think they've changed it now, but there was that disgusting go lightly stuff that makes you throw up and everything else. Yeah, that was my extreme pre-wedding cleanse. And since then, I've spent so many years trying to figure out my gut stuff, and I finally have figured it out. So in this conversation, I also share the tricks that work for me, because I know there are a lot of women who are suffering. Yes, I am super embarrassed by what I share in this conversation, but I'm just going to step over that pile of shame and move on, because I really wish someone could have shared with me what I had to figure out for myself through trial and error, and also what Dr. Bo shares in this book. If only she had published it 10 years ago. Anyway, we can't talk about gut health anymore without talking about the microbiome. And if you've picked up a magazine lately, this is the buzzword. And I have really been geeking out on it. And so I found an excellent description of the microbiome on Harvard's nutrition website, which I'll have a link to in our atomicmoms.com show notes. So here's what Harvard says. What is the microbiome? 
Picture a bustling city on a weekday morning, the sidewalks flooded with people rushing to get to work or to appointments. Now imagine this at a microscopic level and you have an idea of what the microbiome looks like inside our bodies, consisting of trillions of microorganisms, also called microbiota or microbes, of thousands of different species. These include not only bacteria, but fungi, parasites, and viruses. In a healthy person, these bugs coexist peacefully with the largest numbers found in the small and large intestines, but also throughout the body. The microbiome is even labeled a supporting organ because it plays many key roles in promoting the smooth daily operations of the human body. And this is really where it ties into motherhood as well. So the site goes on to say, each person has an entirely unique network of microbiota that is originally determined by one's DNA. A person is first exposed to microorganisms as an infant during delivery in the birth canal and through the mother's breast milk. Exactly which microorganisms the infant is exposed to depends solely on the species found in the mother. Later on, environmental exposures and diet can change one's microbiome to be either beneficial to health or place one at a greater risk for disease. Okay, so where it mentions the birth canal part and the breast milk part, I know I'm not the only one who was like, ugh. That's a bummer. My kid didn't get all my microbiome. I took antibiotics hours before giving birth to both my daughters because I have group B strep. I'm one of the lucky 25% of women who has, I am colonized, (laughs) group B strep, which they say is no big deal except for infants where it can make them incredibly ill. And some of you all might recall from the podcast that I had a four-hour birth with my second child, so we didn't get the second round of antibiotics, which I was so stressed out about during my labor. So what the pediatrician did is uh, she had to stay an extra night at the hospital. I wanted to leave after the first night to get back home because Sabrina was home. And I was lucky because my pediatrician was like, no, you guys are going to, you know, enjoy yourself. (laughs) I love my pediatrician. She's like, enjoy yourself. And I actually did. Eliza and I spent the extra night in the hospital. Adam was home with Sabrina. And I slept really well because I had earplugs. I took advantage of the nurses helping out with Eliza. And that is like such a second kid thing when the hospital feels like a night at a hotel. (laughs) And then when we came home from the hospital, Two hours later, we were down the street at our neighbor's uh, pool for Sabrina's swim class. Also such a second child thing, right? Can't skip a beat. It was actually really peaceful there. I still remember feeling the breeze and watching our older daughter pretend to be a synchronized swimmer while my little newborn was sleeping on my chest. We were in the shade. I know that Dr. Bo probably would not suggest going to a pool with your newborn, Um, But I was under an umbrella, and she was wrapped in a blanket. I was very careful. (laughs) And since we're all about to spend a lot more time out in the sun, this is the perfect opportunity to share this conversation with dermatologist Dr. Whitney Bowe about sun protection, the microbiome, and again, how we can keep our gut healthy for beautiful skin. I'll be right back. Today, we have a very special guest, renowned New York-based dermatologist, Dr. Whitney 
Bow. She is committed to achieving and maintaining the health and radiance of her patient's skin. One of the most in-demand dermatologists in the country, Dr. Bow specializes in skin rejuvenation, laser dermatology, and the link between nutrition and skin care. Her work has earned the attention of top media outlets, netting her invitations to lend her expertise on programs like Good Morning America, The Rachel Ray Show, The Doctors and Dr. Oz, and publications like The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Allure, and In Style. Dr. Bo attended Yale University, where she graduated summa cum laude with a Bachelor of Science in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology. Upon graduation, she was named a 21st Century Gamble Scholar and was awarded a full scholarship to study medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, where she graduated top of her class. Dr. Bo, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I'm a huge fan. I love your messaging, and I just think it's so important for us to support each other and, and you know, get the, the truths out there and debunk some of the myths. So I, it's my pleasure uh, to help you guys gear up for summer. Yes, awesome. So I recently took a personality quiz. And it was, have you heard of, there's a woman, Sally Hogshead, and she's got this whole idea of like how to fascinate. And so I took the free quiz and my primary advantage, according to the free quiz, is prestige. And that's the language of excellence. And so I got the email from you know, her site saying, people see you at your best when you're ambitious and results oriented. And so I got to say that reading your bio, Dr. Poe just made me so happy. It sounds like we have some personality traits in common. (laughs) (laughs) A little type A, a little results oriented. I think I can call myself that. Yeah. Don't (laughs) underestimate the blondes. So I've done 218 podcasts and I've never spoken to a dermatologist before. And as much as I want to like I really want to ask you about fillers and Botox and stuff. I'm actually, I'm very proud of the fact that our discussion today, I mean, maybe I'll slip in a question at the end. We can totally go there. (laughs) But I'm so proud of the fact that like we're talking about stuff that 100% affects the future of our children and grandchildren. So we're talking about melanoma prevention. We're talking about antibiotic resistance. We're talking about it all. So we have so much to cover in a short amount of time. But since we are heading into summer, let's talk sunscreen first because I'm going to admit I've been I've been totally messing this up. I always knew that on a cloudy day that I needed to wear sunscreen if I was at the beach or something because I could get a sun, sunburn. But I didn't realize that I needed to wear sunscreen on a cloudy day, like just walking down the street. Yes. Yes. So many of the UVA rays actually penetrate through clouds and UVA not only can cause skin cancer, but also are the primary cause of aging. Think A for aging. So they cause fine lines and wrinkles and brown spots and uneven tone and texture. So, you know, even if you're not scared of skin cancer, you know, from a, from a vanity standpoint, <laughs> it's all the reason to try to protect your skin. You know, if you're just walking to work or you're driving your car, you know, you don't have to go crazy with the water resistant, you know, SPF 60 sunscreen. But, you know, I think just getting in the habit of using a daily moisturizing sunscreen, even with an SPF 15, you know, every single day is one of the best things you can do when it comes to just keeping your skin healthy over time. And, and ultimately, you'll end up saving a lot of money, you know, <laughs> rather than spending it in the office after the fact on things like Botox and fillers and lasers. So it's, it's definitely worth the investment. Okay. So I never, I'll admit this, like I never put my preschooler in sunscreen on a cloudy day. Like, should I be? Because I'll admit to you that part of my hesitation is this fear, you know, and 
you can tell me if this is right or wrong because like I, I haven't I obviously haven't done the homework. I'll just like be stopped by the fear and then not do the homework myself. But like the fear that the chemicals from the sunscreen could potentially cause problems for my daughter in the future with her health. So it's like this fear of like, I want to prevent cancer, but I'm afraid of giving her cancer. <laughs> I am so glad you brought that up because honestly, this is, it's a very controversial time when it comes to safety and sunscreen. And what I recommended a couple of years ago has completely changed, to be honest, just in the last couple of months based on some groundbreaking new science, new recommendations from the FDA. So this is actually a very, very important topic to cover. Um, so when the FDA just recently came out with a proposed ruling, and they basically said that we can break sunscreen into a couple different categories. So one of their categories they call generally recognized as safe. It's G-R-A-S. And in that category, they put in their mineral or physical blockers. So those are things like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. So those two, the FDA is saying they're totally safe. You know, they basically sit on the surface of the skin barely, and it gets absorbed into the bloodstream. So from a safety perspective, you know, thumbs up from the FDA. Now, the problem with just relying on those mineral-only or physical-only sunscreens is, number one, they can sometimes make you look like a ghost. You know, yeah. they leave a little bit of a whitish cast. They're really difficult to rub in, especially if you have skin of color. You know, if you have like darker skin tones, those can be really tricky. And the other thing is that when they're put to the test by third-party testers, things like consumer reports, you know, where they're actually really putting these sunscreens to the test, unfortunately, year after year, these mineral-only or physical-only sunscreens don't perform well they don't even make the top list of top 10 sunscreens that, you know, consumer reports would recommend because they, the SPF on the label is not the SPF that they're seeing in their testing. So, you know, unfortunately they don't work as well. So then you've got this other category, which are the chemical sunscreens, right? And the chemical sunscreens, they perform amazingly well when put to the test by these third-party testers. They do really well. They totally block out the UVA, the UVB. You know you're getting protected from things like skin cancer and aging. But then the, the negative there is this big question mark regarding safety. And, you know, right now we have some small studies in animals showing that some of these ingredients, specifically something like oxybenzone, it can get absorbed into the bloodstream and can have effects that are, that are negative on the health of those animals. You know, it can even have like an endocrinologic effect. It can make the, the uterine lining of female animals get thicker. And so we call them a potential hormone disruptor. So, you know, for a while, the sunscreen manufacturers and dermatologists were, you know, were, were up in arms and saying like, wait a second, you know, we know that these sunscreens protect you from, from deadly skin cancer, right? So we know that, that the benefits are there, but, you know, the, the, these animal studies, they're small. These animals are eating the sunscreen for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, it's not even representative of what humans would do. Like, how can you look at those tiny little animal studies? And I don't know. My toddler eats a lot of sunscreen. <laughs> okay, well, that's possible. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so for a while though, you know, we were sort of dismissing the fear and saying it's not a big deal, but, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a really big study that came out in one of our top, top journals. And it showed that if you use chemical sunscreens, the way we as derms, you know, recommend like reapplying it every two hours and apply to every, you know, 75% of your body surface area, 
after just one day of using these chemical sunscreens, they were detectable at pretty high levels in the bloodstream. So after we saw those, that study, and now that the FDA is, is really calling for a closer investigation of the safety of these chemicals and how they really affect humans. You know, we don't have the data yet. Unfortunately, we, we don't have it. So, so I, still, I still think that the, the benefits outweigh the risks when it comes to sunscreen, but I have to tell you, I'm, I'm no longer comfortable smearing sunscreens with chemicals from head to toe, either for my daughter, you know, I've got a seven-year-old, you know, or on myself all day long, every two hours, if you're dry, or even more frequently, if you're getting wet, like that's, I'm just not comfortable doing that anymore. Wow. So yeah, it's totally changed. Um, so I think that we're going to be learning so much more. The, the FDA is supposedly coming out with more of a definitive ruling in November about these chemicals and which ones they're going to consider safe. And, you know, a lot of the sunscreens companies are doing a deeper dive you know, into the safety of these sunscreens. But in the meanwhile, I am very much becoming a very strong advocate of using sun protective clothing. And that was, I spoke to you earlier that I just launched my own sun protective swimwear and loungewear line. Um, it's Dr. Whitney Bow for Cabana Life Summer Escape Collection. You can get it on cabanalife.com. But the whole concept is that the fabric itself protects you from 98% of UVA and UVB rays. And you have a hat that I can't wait to oh, order. Hat is, hat is the most important part. <laughs> I can't wait to order that. And also you have like for the girls in your life. And okay, I did a little fishing and I promise everyone I get excited about things and then I like turn it into an infomercial. I'm not doing that right now. But I did do a little fishing <laughs> on this company. And here's what got me. Okay. I don't know why. I'm, like, so emotional. It's hormones. We can talk about hormones in a minute. Uh, the collaboration with Cabana Life, this company was started by two women, one of whom was diagnosed with melanoma at 26. Yeah. And you have said that a person dies every hour from melanoma? It's, it is really frightening. And the most common location for melanoma is the back. And quite honestly, like even if you have really well, good intentions of applying sunscreen on your back, it's almost impossible to cover your back by yourself if you're using sunscreen. So, you know, that's where something like a rash guard, you know, I feel like it's so funny when we have kids, we start doing healthier things because we start like when I had my daughter, I started looking for, you know, organic chicken. And I'm like, I'm doing all these things for her that I never did for myself. I'm like, oh, I'll just buy the regular chicken. Oh, I'll just buy the regular fruit. And then when she was born, you know, I was so careful because I wanted to protect her and really earn the side of safety. And I had this sort of aha moment where I was like, wait, if I'm doing these things for my daughter, like, why am I exposing my own body to these things, you know? So, and one of those things is, is a rash guard. You know, I think I used to put my kid in a rash guard, of course, like she goes to camp and you know, I, she can only reapply so often. And, and, you know, I'm not going to expect her, you know, when I, I sent her off to camp, but when she was like five and six, you know, she can't reapply her sunscreen from head to toe by herself. That's very unrealistic, you know, but if she's wearing a hat and she's wearing a rash guard, like a long sleeve bathing suit, you know, I say to her, you can put sunscreen on your face. And on your legs. And it's all you have to do. You just have to remember to do that. And after you swim, do it again. You know, that's realistic. And then I wanted to wear rash guards myself. I was like, hey, this is so easy. It's so convenient. You know, you're not reapplying all the time. It's, you know, it's so annoying to do that. So I started looking and hunting for rash guards and sun protective clothing that like I would wear. And so much of it, like maybe five years ago, it was just 
I would not be the most attractive mom at the pool. Let's just say that (laughs) the styles weren't cute. You know, it wasn't fashionable. And that is changing dramatically. Like now, you know, I partnered with Cabana Life, not only because they're, I love their founder. I love the stories, you know, of, of how, of what got them so deeply invested in this, you know, but but I also really like feel beautiful in the clothing. You know, I think that their prints and the cuts are such that, yeah, I feel really smart, but I also feel like I'm, you know, I like the way I look. I don't, you know, it's it's really important. I know it sounds really vain, but you're not going to wear it unless you like the way it looks on you. Hey, I'm the right crowd for this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because also the sunscreen thing, speaking of vanity, the reason I look much better better with a tan. Like I look much healthier in the summer with some color on my skin. Self-tanner, okay. girl. And are there oh self-tanners God. that are, like, do you have them on, do you have suggestions on your website about what, like, which one to use? Because again, I then get concerned about I the chemicals. Am, yes. I'm always updating. I have a page called Dr. Whitney's Picks on my website. It's drwhitneybow.com. And I always am updating that page with like my favorite moisturizers and sunscreens and sun protective fabrics and clothing and shampoo and hair turbans and everything. I'm always staying on the cutting edge of all of that. When it comes to self-tanner, um, right now I'm actually wearing the Saint-Tropez self-tanner. They have the mousse. You, you sort of like evolve the self-tanners over time because at first you're like scared to use them and you want to use the ones that are really easy to use. And, you know, for those like sun bomb or tan towels, they make these like individual towelettes that are just really e- user-friendly. They're really easy to use. But then over time, you know, you get a little smarter, you kind of figure out how to do it, the tricks, the caveats, and then you want more of like a deep, gorgeous tan. Um, so that's when I started diving into the Saint-Tropez mousse. Cause it's, it's definitely harder to use. Like you, you know, you want to use an exfoliating scrub in the shower and then you want to come out pat dry and then use a moisturizer on the thick skin, like your heels, your elbows, your knees, your wrists, because the self tanner tends to stain more deeply if in those areas where you have thicker skin or drier skin. And then I use a tanning mitt. And I just put a couple pumps of the foam on my tanning mitt and I'll rub it in and it's tinted. So you can sort of use it as a guide. Like, oh, I missed that spot. I missed that spot. And then my face, I have really dry skin on my face. So I tend to use a moisture, something more moisturizing and hydrating than a foam. The foams can be a little drying. So for my face, I'll use either like the Jergens Natural Glow or there's a company called Tan Lux that has these little drops. You can sort of add the drops just right to your own moisturizer. Um, but that's, I prefer using something a little more hydrating for the face, but it's, it's been a game changer. Like it used to be that these self tanners smelled terrible, yes. you know, they would be streaky. They were hard to use. You would look orange. Like now I'm not even tempted to get a real tan because my self tan is even in beautiful. And quite honestly, I'm like, you know, I'm fair. I don't really tan. So <laughs> my tan never looks as good as my fake tan. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Okay, last question about sunscreen. You suggest not exfoliating more than twice a week. Another concern I have about sunscreen is that it's not going to come off my skin unless I exfoliate. Does an oil cleanser work? Will an oil cleanser make me break out? Like, I just never feel like a gentle cleanser every day is enough to get the makeup off or the sunscreen off. So what you can, you can try something called double cleansing. 
um, which is when you use like a little bit more of an oil-based or, you know, a heavier, richer cleanser first, and then you follow it with your water-based cleanser. Um, actually, there's a great balm that I love, which will be like the perfect transition over to the second part of, of what we're going to be talking about. But it's made by Naturopathica, um, and it's made with a Manuka honey, and it actually has probiotics in it. And it's a bomb. So that one, if you start with the bomb, you put the bomb on dry skin, you use circular motions, you, you know, massage it gently into your skin, and then you splash the face with water. And then you add your gentle water-based cleanser, like, you know, Purpose or Cetaphil or, you know, CeraVe or Dove, like something really gentle, pH balanced, hydrating. That's a great way to get a really deep cleanse. Now, the problem with double cleansing, which is, you know, sort of that two-step process, is that it is a little bit more drying to the skin. So even like people counterintuitively, people think like things that have like oil or something in it are going to be more hydrating, but actually the opposite is true. If you remember back to chemistry class, like dissolves like. So if you use an oil-based cleanser, the oils in the cleanser are going to pull your natural oils off your face and leave you much drier. So actually those, those gentle hydrating cleansers are much, they're much more likely, they're better for drier skin. Um, but if you do feel kind of gross, like after a long day and you've got like, you know, sweat and sunscreen and everything on your face, um, then absolutely you can, you know, reach for one of those sort of double cleansing routines. Dermalogica makes a good um, oil-based cleanser um, that you can use before a gentle cleanser. Naturopathica, I love that one. But those are all really good ways of sort of getting the extra sunscreen off of your skin. And the other thing to think about before we move away from sunscreen is there's this new supplement, um, nicotinamide, that actually has been shown to significantly reduce your risk of developing skin cancer. It was in the New England Journal of Medicine. And every single one of my patients now is taking it. The one that I recommend, it's called HelioCare Advanced. Um, again, that one's on my website. It's drwinniebow.com, Dr. Winnie's Picks. I have all the updated supplements on there. But as far as like supplements go, you, you never know which ones actually have data and which ones don't. And I'm telling you, this one has like extremely powerful data. So if you're looking to sort of boost the effect of your sunscreen, or maybe, you know, you're not reapplying it as often as you should, or, you know, if you have melasma or hyperpigmentation or any issues that you're like really, you know, careful about the sun, I would a hundred percent recommend using one of those supplements in addition, like before you go out in the morning, you put on your sunscreen, take a supplement, go out. Wow. Okay. So in your book, you give recommendations for supplements and you say that like, if you have to take a multivitamin, you can do that, but it doesn't sound like you're a huge fan of them. And I'm curious why not. You know, it's, there's a lot of science out there saying like this, this vitamin or mineral doesn't get absorbed as well with this vitamin or mineral. But the truth of the matter is, is that you've got to do something. If you're going to, if you're going to do something every day, it's got to be convenient. And multivitamins are really convenient. So I personally do take a multi. I take one with trace minerals. It's just that much easier. I'll take a multi. I'll take a vitamin D because none of the multis have enough vitamin D in them. <laughs> mm. And then I'll take, in addition to that, I'll take my HelioCare. And then some, and I usually do right now, I'm having probiotics in and prebiotics in my diet more so than in supplement form. Like I still... You know, there's a couple of new companies that are coming out with probiotics that are specifically designed for the skin, but, you know, I haven't really personally tested them and I haven't seen enough data to be extremely convinced, you know, that I'm ready to recommend them yet. 
Um, so right now when it comes to pre and probiotics, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm having some kombucha. I'll sip on some kombucha. I'll have miso paste. I'll cook. I put like on my salmon, I'll put some miso paste on my salmon or I'll have miso soup. If I order in some sushi, um, and I'll, I'll try to have like yogurt with live active cultures, you know, I'll, I'll try to have as many pre and probiotics in my diet as I can. My great aunt Ida, most listeners will remember, she passed away the, after the first year, I think, of the podcast. She was 104 years old. And oh my God. she would tell me stories about making her own sauerkraut as a kid. <laughs> and Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, maybe that's how you made it to 104. It was that sour, homemade sauerkraut. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, fermented, like that that whole process of fermentation, um, it it's incredible for your gut and for the gut microbiome and the balance of bacteria in your gut. And one of the biggest issues with the American diet is, you know, we rely on a lot of like processed foods. You know, we're, we're really stripping out a lot of those those probiotics and the different types of, of prebiotic fiber, you know, that really help to diversify the microbiome in the gut. Having a really healthy gut is sort of the cornerstone of everything. Like the, it's now all the science that's emerging is just so powerful showing that the gut, the brain, the skin, they're all connected. And so much of inflammation stems from the gut and people, you know, even if you don't have symptoms, like some people have symptoms of gas and bloating and, you know, sometimes constipation or sometimes they'll, they'll feel like a little uneasy in their stomach. And that could be a sign that you don't have a healthy balance of bacteria in your gut. But I have patients who come in who don't even feel like they have, you know, gut related symptoms, but it'll show up in their skin. They'll have you know, red, blotchy, sensitive skin. They'll suffer from rosacea or acne, mm-hmm. eczema. And, you know, we'll just use basic skincare and we'll try some prescriptions that they just don't respond because you have to get to the root of the issue. And a lot of times the root of the issue is in the gut. That's my husband. He, I took him to a doctor to get a testing panel done for different allergies. And he is someone who thought he had a stomach of steel and then the allergy report came back that he was allergic to so many things. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it was a, it was coming out through skin reactions. And on the other hand, I am someone where it's like I, it, my gut has always been talking to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and where I, I, it was really exciting for me to read your book. Again, it's Dirty Looks, The Secret to Beautiful Skin, because at the beginning of the book, you're like very casual and chatty, kind of like how we are right now. And then you give us a real crash course in our bodies and we get to nerd out with you. And you do such an <laughs> excellent that. explanation of like the gut brain skin relationship. And I want to read this one quote. You say, what's going on in your gut right at this moment is determining not only how your brain performs and responds to signals from the body about its current state and needs, but also what your skin thinks and how it performs. And I'm so passionate about this because I spent so many years with irritable bowel syndrome going to doctors constantly. Finally, when I was in Los Angeles, I went to Cedar sinai and I did uh, the hydrogen. So basically, listeners, you blow in a bag. It's this breath test where you sit there for hours. They give you like a shot of some sort of sugary thing. Then you blow in a bag for a few hours and then you go home and they tell you whether or not you have this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. 
based on what right. is produced from the bacteria in your gut. I had it. The problem is uh, the the solution is either like a an antibiotic, which I would take to just try to wipe it out, and then it would still always come back. And so I was someone who would constantly complain about bloating and and then also like all the other issues that come with IBS. And yeah. it was – and doctors would say like, are you stressed out? And I've, I'm going to admit this right now. Like I was so bothered by that question because I interpreted that at the time to mean – that my stomach problems were all in my head. Right, that they were dismissing your symptoms right. and t- and telling you that it was in your head. Yes. But, but that, that's not it. And I think that some doctors might have been implying that, but but the real science shows that that stress and cortisol and having chronic levels of stress and not managing it, like sometimes you think you're you're handling it okay, but you know, a lot of us are really, especially with all of the social media and we're multitasking like crazy and we're living with this chronic level of stress in our lives. And when you start to take meaningful steps, whether it's just even deep breathing, you know, meditation, downloading those apps like, you know, breathe or headspace, you know, or just exercising regularly, taking a little bit of more time in nature, like things that are going to help you manage your own stress. It's amazing how that can impact your gut. And, and it's not, oh, it's in your head. It's it's actually like physiologically related. <laughs> so what I do is like hot water and lemon in the morning if I can. I, the, a huge game changer was not snacking all day because I wasn't yeah. giving my stomach a chance to metabolize the food. And my doctor at the time was saying that basically it was like my small intestine was sort of like a swamp because it wasn't getting flushed out. So then the bad bacteria was, over, there was the overgrowth of that. And so for me also like, ugh, probably sharing too much, but I haven't heard anyone else share this. So why not? No, so many women go through this. So the fact that you're ex- explaining it and describing it, I guarantee you there's like head shaking right now. Okay. It's, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I felt like this, this stagnation, what you're yeah. describing is just this like stagnation. Like your gut is it's meant to go through peristalsis and sort of like push things through and that's what keeps you regular. But, you know, when you have a spectral overgrowth, it just sort of sits there. And that's what you felt as bloating. That's what some people describe as IBS. Another thing that I learned was like, I have to poop before I eat in the morning. And that has been a total game changer. I know that's not a scientific thing, but it seems to really work. You know, if we go out for breakfast and I haven't gone to the bathroom, like I probably won't go to the bathroom till tomorrow. And that doesn't, work for me. And in my skin has improved drastically from that. And I'm so thrilled to even see small intestinal bacterial overgrowth in your book because I've never seen it in writing before. Like it's trying to explain it to people. They would just sort of think that I was making something up. Yeah. So can you share with us like a few more ways that women with IBS or who know that they have this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, like how they can get their gut moving again so that they can also have better skin. So, so one of the ways that, that this develops, so first of all, one of the terms for it is also leaky gut. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are sort of non-medical would throw around the term leaky gut. So people got a little suspicious, like, what are they talking about leaky gut? Is that a real thing? But, you know, now we know that what happens is, is that when you eat a diet, 
of sort of refined processed comfort foods, you know, devoid of fiber, a typical Western diet, that alone or in combination with any kind of anxiety, stress, chronic levels of stress has been shown to actually slow down digestion and slow down motility in the gut. And as a result, what happens is that the intestinal lining becomes leaky. You actually get like the the unhealthy molecules that are supposed to be maintained housed in your gut are now leaking out into your bloodstream. They're circulating throughout your body. And we've seen studies now that they actually trigger inflammation in the skin as well. So if you really want to get to the root of a lot of these skin issues and a lot of other, you know, other GI issues that you're feeling, if you're one of those people who, who really experiences, you know, even the, the gastrointestinal symptoms from this, then you want to do two things. You know, you want to, you want to think about your diet. You want to start having um, less processed foods. So you really want to try to cut down on refined sugars, refined carbohydrates, you know, things that come in a box, things that come in a bag, like you sort of want to shop the periphery of the supermarket. You want to go with, you know, lots of, of vegetables. Um, you want to have lots of, of fish. Ideally, you want to have, you know, fresh water fish. Um, I have salmon like three times a week. Um, you want to have lots of healthy fiber. I'm not like a keto person. I don't say cut out all carbs, but, you know, carbs are okay if they're in the form of, say, you know, oatmeal, or if you're having um, quinoa, if you're having barley, um, sweet potatoes, those are great sources of carbs. Uh, but you really want to try to have like real food, you know, whole foods as much nuts are great. Um, anything that that's a real food is going to be much healthier for your gut because those gut bacteria are waiting for, for that food. Um, and if you feed your gut bacteria, you know, packaged food, processed food, then it actually has been shown to proliferate or feed the unhealthy types of bacteria. So those are more likely to take over. So, so diet is definitely one part of it. And, you know, prebiotic fiber, for example, in the form of, um, you can have garlic and leeks and jicama and dandelion greens, and you can either saute them, you can throw them in a smoothie, like however you want to get your prebiotics, even, even bananas, if they're, if they're not quite ripe, they're a great source of prebiotic fiber. And what does prebiotic mean? Can you break that down for our listeners? Yeah, so prebiotic is is like food for the good bugs. It's food for the healthy bacteria. So it's almost like a fertilizer for good bacteria. So it's what the good bacteria like to eat and it lets them thrive and lets them grow and lets them, you know, proliferate and establish themselves in your gut. So, you know, there's if you take probiotics, you know, you're taking the live bacteria. So probiotic capsules or some yogurts will have, say, you know, with probiotics like lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, like those are probiotics. But prebiotics are things like if you have dandelion greens and you're sauteing them with, you know, an omelet in the morning, or if you're having a, a banana that's not quite ripe, you're getting this prebiotic fiber. That is actually the food for, so you don't even have to take a probiotic per se. If you're eating the prebiotics, it'll help to nourish Say you have like a couple of strains of good bacteria in your gut, it'll help those to grow even more powerful and shift the balance in your gut. So, you know, so having a really healthy diet is, is ideally combining both prebiotics and probiotics in your diet. 
And you write also that an estimated 90% of the feel-good hormone serotonin in your body is not made in your brain. It's produced in your digestive tract thanks to your gut bugs. Isn't that wild? It's wild. And I, okay, so my mother had a carcinoid tumor in her stomach. And for listeners, it's a tumor that's almost as rare as my giant cell tumor was. Very rare, (laughs) yes. So that kind of threw off the doctor when I was like, well, I had a giant cell tumor. And he was like, okay, you you two should like get some genetic tests. Yeah, very weird that, yeah, exactly. Those are very, very rare tumors, yes. And maybe email me later <laughs> who I should talk to <laughs> because they're not uh, hereditary. So it's just strange. Anyway, after her surgery where they took out massive amounts of her intestines, I spoke to her cancer doctor and I said, you know, you know, isn't our gut, like our second brain, like, isn't there a lot of like the happy stuff, like the serotonin, like in our gut? And he looked at me, he didn't have an answer. And I was thinking like, this is, I I don't want this to affect my mother's moods, you know? But the idea that that wasn't even on his radar, like, I wish I had had your book to like leave with him. A lot, a lot of this is very cutting edge stuff. Like, you know, it's one, it's, it's one of those things that physicians, you know, have, it is a constant battle to stay abreast of all of the new information in your own field, let alone, you know, sort of these a little bit more of, a, of an alternative or holistic approach. You know, it's, well, I think that's the problem, though. There's, there's also a resistance because if I know about this, is it because there haven't been the proven medical studies so they just don't take, pay attention to it yet? Because, like, if I am reading this myself, like, the information is out there about, like, the gut health and how that, how our serotonin is in the gut? Like, why are they not taking notice? It's, I wish I wish that more people did. Um, as you know, I obviously do. But it, it, I mean, I have over a hundred references in the back of my book, and right. you know that was a, a a labor of love. I mean, I didn't learn these things in medical school. Like this is even nutrition. I I think maybe I had a couple hours of nutrition in medical school. Like. I mean, these are things that, that doctors should absolutely know, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of the time it's just not part of our training. And once you're out in practice, you know, you're trying to keep abreast of all the latest and greatest and the people who are really good at shoving their data and their information in front of you are big pharmaceutical companies because they have funding to conduct these huge studies with you know, thousands of people, randomized, placebo-controlled clinical trials, you know, looking at the latest drug because these companies can make a lot of money off of these drugs. So they're very, very incentivized to really get that in front of the doctors. So as a doctor, you have to really go out of your way. You know, for me, a lot of the studies that I read about nutrition and about the gut and it wasn't in the dermatology literature. No. A lot of, I had to even translate it from like other languages. Like it was, it was really, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. So, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, uh, the physicians right now with the way that, that reimbursements are with right. health insurance and like, they have the burden of seeing more patients per hour than they've ever had to see before, you know, and, and it's, it's very difficult, quite honestly, to keep up with all the information. Like, you know, I'm, I do what I can. I, I'm always doing, you know, media and going on like, you know, and, and I'm hoping and I lecture and I'm, I'm actually going to Boston next week to lecture at a microbiome co- conference. And, you know, but there's, there's only so much time in the day. And, you know, as, as this, as these studies become more pervasive and as the patients 
become smarter and start to advocate for themselves more. Like the more patients that say things and ask those kinds of questions that you asked, right? Eventually that doctor is going to be like, you know what? I kind of have to learn this. Mm. (laughs) So good for you. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad you mentioned how burdened our medical system is. Like my best friend, Darcy Fox from college, she just, she has two young children and she was telling, you know, she has thousands of patients at Kaiser Permanente. And you're like, oh my, like, they don't have a second to breathe with all the paperwork and everything else, let alone, you know, staying abreast of things that aren't, yeah, aren't being pushed by pharmaceutical companies, but also might not have the medical data yet. And to pivot into like the antibiotic thing, as someone who formerly took Accutane, I just wish I had like not drank Diet Coke in the morning or like had gotten my stress and anxiety under control then instead. I think I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I swear there was a line on my tooth from one of the antibiotics I had taken as yeah, a teenager. Yeah, from such... can do that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I had such bad skin as a teenager. Yeah. You know, in the book, you give us a lot of suggestions and amazing recipes for how we can help our gut so that we can have better skin. But can you share also the importance of trying that first before antibiotics and what, you know, what's at stake? So unfortunately, you know, antibiotics, if you're on long-term antibiotics longer than three months at a time, um, we we don't recommend that. And for for chronic conditions, things like acne, rosacea, we used to have patients used to be on antibiotics for years. I'm sure you were one of them before yes. you used Accutane. And it it is one of the worst things you can do for your gut and for your health. Um, being on long term antibiotics leads to antibiotic resistance. It can completely disrupt the microbiome in your gut um, and in your skin. And these, these resistant bugs, these resistant organisms are, are not healthy. You really don't want them contaminating your body. Um, and unfortunately, even there's the even studies showing that, you know, farmers use low dose antibiotics in their animal feed to get their animals to get fatter faster. So it really disrupts our metabolism. There are so many negative effects of using antibiotics, um, especially earlier on, like in young children. And I think there's you know, there's a huge movement now with pediatricians who it's frustrating for a mom, right? You bring your kid yeah. and you're like, I just want an antibiotic. I just wanted to go away. And, you know, now the pediatricians are like, sorry, like we have to wait for the ear infection to be a certain amount of time before we'll treat with an antibiotic. Or you have to have an upper respiratory symptoms for this period of time and green phlegm, you know, and or a positive strep test to, to merit an antibiotic. Whereas in the past, they would just, you know, hand them out like candy, the prescriptions. A Z pack for you, a Z pack for you. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But but that was leading to this, this global, you know, issue with resistance. And it obviously is one of the, the least healthy things that you can do for your for your gut and it leads to obesity and it leads to autoimmune issues. There's a lot of, of problems with having too much exposure to antibiotics. So so I definitely I, you know, if if you need an antibiotic, um you you know, you can do it for a short term. Um, but you really don't want to continue that antibiotic. You really want to try to get to the root of the issue, especially if when you stop the antibiotic, it comes back. There's something else going on, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something else. It, whether it's you're not you know, m- managing your stress appropriately, you're not getting enough sleep every night, maybe it's a combination of that plus diet. You know, I would try to tackle it more from that holistic inside-out approach first. 
Um, or, you know, try the antibiotics for a very short period of time to try to get yourself on track while you're implementing those changes with the intentions of stopping the antibiotics as soon as you can. But, you know, I think for ourselves and for our children, one of the best things that we can do is, is just try to avoid antibiotics unless the doctor says they're absolutely necessary. When you go on a show like The Doctors and you got to fly across the country, like, do you get puffy face like I do? Like, I- you mentioned in the book histamines, and this is something I just had before I, you get off the phone. I have to ask this. Like, what do you do to your face the next morning after you get off a, a transatlantic flight or just across the country? Like, what do you do for your skin so that you can go on a show like that and look your best talking about skin? I, I actually just did an interview for People magazine. It might be on stands by the time this comes out about in-flight and, you know, how to keep your skin Perfect. when you're getting off the flight. But, yeah, there's – um. There's some great like Peter Thomas Ross eye patches that are really great for keeping, you know, depuffing your eyes and keeping everything looking good, like jade rollers. Some of my patients yeah. swear by those okay. to help like depuff the face, you know, drinking lots of water, you know, trying to avoid alcohol as much as possible. When you're in the air, you just need to keep hydrating. There's a new sports drink out, Halo Sport, that's really low in sugar. And it's loaded with antioxidants and electrolytes. It's a great thing to travel with. But there's, you know, there's, there's lots of little tricks that you can use, but keep an eye out for that one, that interview, because I went through a whole bunch of my favorite things for in-flight. <laughs> okay, we'll definitely be sharing that with our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Dr. Bo. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, you can find out more about Dr. Whitney Bowe on our website, atomicmoms.com. I've been going nuts with links, you know, if anyone's ever wondering what research I'm doing before the episodes, I add those links to our show notes. So check them out. Also, you can check out our shop. If you go to atomicmoms.com backslash shop, we have a collaboration. It's limited edition t-shirts and prints with a certificate of authenticity from artist Madeline Donahue. So it's a great way to support the podcast. Until next week, everybody, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm-hmm. 